In the late 1800s, San Antonio's red light district was booming. There was gambling, there was drinking, there were brothels and madams and prostitution. And while it was one of the most lucrative industries for the city, it's rarely written about. In our last episode, we talked to you about one of the women who ran the district, Emilia Garza. She challenged the city and won. Now, we want to tell you about another one of the most successful brothel owners, a woman named Mary Valino. The story goes that Valino stumbled upon a street preacher one day and decided to dedicate her life and her work to God. That's the story that's been passed down for decades. But in our research for this project, we discovered that the story of her conversion might be just that, a story. I'm Kathleen Creedon. And I'm Bree Kirkham. This is Running Red Lights, a limited series podcast from Texas Public Radio about the history of sex work in San Antonio. And the women who ran the industry, but who weren't allowed to make history. Before we get started, a quick note about language. Through this series, you'll hear our sources, and sometimes us, refer to prostitution or people who worked in prostitution as a reflection of the industry in that time period. We will primarily use the term sex work to acknowledge changes in our language, though the modern understanding of the term includes work like camming, stripping, porn work, and so on. The story of Mary Valino is actually what inspired this podcast. So in late 2020, during the pandemic, I was home one weekend, and in the background, I had a Facebook Live video playing from a Travis Park Church sermon. The sermon I heard was led by Pastor Eric Vogt as part of a celebration of the church's 175th anniversary that was coming up. I hope you've heard this story, Um, but if not, it it says a lot about who we want to be, we are, and who we want to be we have been as Travis Park Church. Mary Valino was the owner of one of San Antonio's most infamous brothels, and she experienced the love of God in Christ in this life-changing way right here with our church back in 1895. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, I've never heard this story, and I really want to know more. So we followed the story to Dallas, where we met with a former member of Travis Park Church, Evan Jones. Jones is ordained in the United Methodist Church and said the church does have an unofficial stance on sex work. So it's not doctrine, but we have a book of resolutions um, which does address sex work and that it is um, that all human beings are inherently good and children of God. Hard stop. Jones and his family used to attend services at Travis Park Church where this notorious madam was converted. He was first told the story in confirmation class in 1989. I was in sixth grade, right? And I, and I was, but it was the like, what's a prostitute? When Jones first heard the story, there was an important detail missing. Valino's first name. The church only referred to her as Madame Valino. Her name had been documented in a few places as M. Valino or M. L. Valino, but never her first name. Years later, when he was in seminary school, Jones had to write a final paper about anything in the United Methodist Church. Kind of a broad topic, but since it was his final semester, his final assignment. Uh, I was in my last semester of seminary and I was done. Like I was like ready to be out. So to be very honest, if we're all gonna be like real honest, I, um, my goal was to write the easiest four page paper you could ever imagine and just be done with, be done. 
he wanted to take an easier route. The original intent for the paper was to figure out if the story was true and to find her first name. That was it. That was going to be my four-page paper. So Evan went looking for what the M in Envolino stood for, and he found his answer pretty quickly since Bear County records had been digitized by then. There was a small issue in the weird handwriting of the time, but within the first few days of searching, he'd found a Mary Valino who had been arrested for prostitution, and he knew it was this brothel owner he had been told about years earlier. The story that had been passed down for generations was a simple one. A notorious brothel owner was convicted in her soul and decided to convert her business into a mission for the church. It was the perfect example of how God could change a person's life. There's another slightly different version of the story. In this other version, it's not a street preacher who brings Valino to the church, but a layperson named Sarah Ostrom. Sarah Ostrom had already forged a friendship with her, and, and she had a connection with Mary. And, and because of that connection, that's why Travis Park was the, the place that Mary went. Not because of a street preacher like Jones had been taught. This is where, as a clergy person, uh, I probably won't make a lot of my clergy friends happy. But, um, but, but the, truth of this, the truth of the matter is, in the Methodist church, the power is with the laity. The power is with the people, not with the clergy. In both of these versions of the story, though, Valino ultimately converts. The truth of that conversion is never questioned, and so we're meant to believe that Mary Valino really did see the face of God and want to change her life. Jones thinks the death of Valino's daughter may have been the reason she was more open to the church. I don't think she had some great moral awakening as the catalyst. I think it was loss and, and realizing that the lifestyle that she was leading was not, was not long-term in her best interest. Financially, maybe, but spiritually, for sure not. In his research for his paper, Jones found that Mary Valino may not have been a member at Travis Park Church. It's hard to say since records weren't well-kept and maybe were even lost in the century since her epiphany. But there's another detail that makes Jones skeptical of the original story. She was in a lot of debt, and she needed a way out of it. Did she also have some sort of religious awakening? There's not really evidence for or against it. But the church offered to help her with her financial problems. The church paid off the debt, especially of the house, which then gave them ownership of the house. That was, that was the church's kind of tentacles into the ministry, was they had a financial stake in it. Valino's establishment went from brothel to a place for wayward women almost immediately. The church started hosting worship services regularly there for the girls and converted, quote, many souls that were prostitutes, sex workers, and then became uh, almost immediate into the rescue home. Many women left because they were interested in pursuing their vocation. Um, and so they went to different brothels, but a lot of them stayed. And so the church had almost an immediate foothold into that. And I contend one of the reasons was because Mary was in debt to the point that she needed some help. And so the church then had almost an immediate impact into the ministry that was happening there. Valino helped the home for about a decade. She acted as a matron of the home and helped secure donations likely from the men she knew in her days as a madam. I just think it's the funniest like visual of her walking into their office and being like, you're gonna give me money for this rescue home. And they're like, yes, ma'am, right? Like, cause they, they, don't, they don't want their wives to know what was going on and things like that. And then 
she disappears. So um, then, then something happened, and and what that event was, um, I we don't know for a fact. I speculate that that there were some money disagreements between the church and Mary Valino, and she still had property and uh, assets in San Antonio, and then she sold those off very very quickly. And in in the Bear County records, that's where she just disappears to. And and for a hundred years, no one knew really where she went. Turns out she fled to Providence, Oklahoma, an up-and-coming boomtown. Jones found her family's descendants through findagrave.com and was able to set up a meeting with Felino's great niece in 2012. It was like, well, that's it. This is now this is this is where they are. So I hopped in the car, drove up to Oklahoma, <laughs> drove up to Oklahoma um, and and found her found her niece and interviewed her niece in a week before she died. Her niece's name was Virginia, and she wasn't too excited to talk to a total stranger about her family's connection to a red light district. She also didn't want to talk about her Aunt Mary. They were taught from birth that Mary was a bad person, and that Mary was, uh, they, took, they quote, took all their money, and I think they're talking about insurance money. Mary Valino may have been viewed as some sort of scammer in today's world. And Joan says money comes up as an issue for Valino often. I mean, it's speculation, obviously, but I really, I really wonder if, um, if, if the money fights go all the way back to Mary's lifestyle in San Antonio pre-conversion and then post-conversion, money seems to be the thing that gets Mary in trouble over, over the years. So, but again, that's, it's, that's a little more kind of speculative. I don't have hard proof of that. That's just looking at kind of putting these pieces together and you go, it seems to be money that's the thread anytime Mary either leaves, gets in trouble, you know, et cetera. Before he left Oklahoma, Jones discovered one last thing about Valino that he'd wondered about, where she was buried. She's not in a San Antonio cemetery where her father-in-law is buried. She's not in El Paso where one of her children is buried. She's not even buried alongside her husband or other family members in Province, Oklahoma. Instead, she's buried just south of that Oklahoma plot, in an unmarked grave. Mary Valino was a seminal part of Travis Park Church history, and yet her name was reduced to an initial. But her legacy still managed to flourish in San Antonio. That's coming up after the break. I'm Camille Phillips, the host of The Enduring Gap, a limited series exploring San Antonio's Latino college gap. White adults are more than twice as likely to have a bachelor's degree. To get a better understanding of why this inequity persists, TPR asked thousands of local students about their college experience. We took their insights to their college leaders and asked them what they were doing to support Latino students. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Mary Valino's life may have ended in Oklahoma, but her legacy lived on in San Antonio through the rescue home she created with the help of the church. That home still exists today, and is called Providence Place. Joan says he wonders whether the story would be different if the church didn't have a financial stake in the home, if Valino wasn't in serious debt. 
But Judith Bell, the current CEO of Providence Place, says that hypothetical doesn't really matter because it doesn't really affect the work they do today. I think she would be pleased to know that, you know, um, we've returned to who we are and what she intended us to be, um, maintaining the work with survivors, um, but also keeping adoption alive and um, being willing to change and to just have those visions of what comes next. The work Providence Place does today is pretty close to what they did when Valina was in charge. We serve uh, women in a transitional housing program that um, serves women who are survivors of human trafficking, sexual assault, and domestic violence. We also have a program for young women who are aging out of the foster care system, but who have elected to stay in what's called extended foster care. But the organization has seen several large shifts in vision. Just a few decades ago, the organization's main focus was adoption. Back in the 50s and 60s, probably as early as the 40s, we were uh, a safe haven. We were that place that most people would call Aunt Jane or Aunt Susan, who uh, family sent their pregnant daughter here to live, have the baby, and then go return back home. Around this time, Providence Place was doing anywhere from 400 to 1,000 adoptions a year, before adoption rates declined nationally. In the mid-70s, there was a societal shift. Birth control, Roe versus Wade, you know, it wasn't a stigma to have an unplanned pregnancy and to become a single mom. So they shifted with the times. They opened programs for the deaf and hard of hearing community, expanding access to adults with other disabilities in the 80s. But now they're returning to their roots. Mary Valino's story appears straightforward from the outside. A brothel owner has a change of heart. The truth is, we don't know a lot about Mary Valino. We don't know why she converted her brothel, why she moved to Oklahoma, or even why she was in debt to begin with. Mary Valino's story has been passed down for more than a century by Travis Park Church and Providence Place, but there's little information about who Mary Valino really was. Who knows if Mary Valino was actually as infamous as we're told? It makes for a better redemption story for the church in Providence Place. But what people know of Valino is what happened in her life after her epiphany. They choose to focus on the more proper memory of her as the matron of a rescue home. Even her family members in Oklahoma, remember her gravesite is unmarked, don't acknowledge the woman who was known as a successful brothel owner in San Antonio. She was famed just not for something they were proud of. In the next and final episode of Running Red Lights, we're going to explore how the criminalization of sex work endangers sex workers today. So some girls want to do sex work. It's something that shouldn't be taboo anymore. It's something that shouldn't be seen as a last resort. It's not something that should be seen as dirty. A lot of these girls out here view themselves and view we view ourselves as professionals, you know what I mean? Just like as you would as any other line of work. Running Red Lights is a podcast from Texas Public Radio. I'm Bree Kirkham. And I'm Kathleen Creedon. Editing and production from Dallas Williams. Our graphic was designed by Rob Martinez. Sound design from Jacob Rosati. Our theme song is Mujer Moderna by the band Fea. Dan Katz is our news director. Find transcripts, episodes, and additional reporting at tpr.org slash RRL.